0: Hello, welcome to KT Presents Only Real Fans. Today I'm sitting with Simon Kincaid and Emily Ann Zisco, and we're talking about Drama Mama, Emily Ann Zisco and Simon Kincaid's new upcoming short uh, film. We're just going to talk a little bit about the production and the writing and, you know, all things in between. So stick around. It's going to be a fun time.
1: for having Very us. Very good. Happy
2: to be here with you, our friend who also was a was a big part of the team who made Drama Mama. So yeah, it's, uh, it should be fun. I think there's a lot to, lots to talk about.
1: Yeah, I think it should be noted that Dylan did all of the post work on Drama Mama and uh, made a cameo appearance as Craig.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I kind of I came in later, right? So I wasn't really there for all the stuff beforehand. And to be honest, I was busy during the whole year. So when you guys kind of brought it to me, I really wasn't part of any part of the process that had it like start and running. So I'd like to start maybe there talking about where the inspiration for the story came from and how much work were you guys doing on the side? Cause I remember employing you guys throughout the year for my type of shit. So I don't know how the hell you had time to like get this whole thing together, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, well it was, let's see, it was senior year of college when I was taking a short film course and I wrote the first draft of this script for that course. And, um, it was bad. I mean, it was the same. It
2: was the first draft. It was
1: the first draft. It was this. It, it was the same kind of idea about this girl who um, is pretty neurotic and finds herself um, unexpectedly pregnant, and the kind of <laughs> mental hula hoops she's going through to try to make herself unpregnant, and and the comedy of that. But then, you know, uh, once we graduated. I was kind of you know like wanting to move out to LA, wanting to start building my portfolio. And I thought that this script was so adaptable for um, for like to, to make for a low budget, especially because like you know, at the time we were living in Boston, you don't need any permits or anything to shoot in Boston. You just have to shoot. So Simon and I kind of came up with the idea that after he rapped on Dilettantes with you, We would shoot this short in my bathroom, in my Boston apartment, um, over like the course of a weekend. And, um, at that time we were still kind of dealing with the same script. And I remember I had a friend read the script and he was like, why, you know, why are you positing your, um, lead character as this clown, Like, why is it funny to you that she is dealing with such a difficult time in her life? And I remember that that really stuck with me because it kind of exposed to me my own internalized misogyny. Like, I think that there is such a tendency in film to make women um, clowns and like just like women as spectacle, um, humorous or otherwise. and, And there's such a degradation in that. Um, and so I, I I went back at the script with that in mind and tried to really get at Poppy, our main character, from a sense of like, what is she actually dealing with? Like, what? how would you, you know, there is comedy in it, obviously. It's a funny situation. She's a funny girl. But there's also this seriousness to it that I think speaks to like, maybe my larger rumination on femininity and also the difficulty of finding yourself in an unexpected serious position and kind of the mental hoops you you go through to try and justify it, rectify it, anything, anyify it. Um and yeah, so so then we had the script. And um Simon and I were really excited because after that, you know, I had gone through like four more drafts of the script. And um then we were in pre-production.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I remember when Emily came to me with the idea to do this, like she said, we were just, I think we were just like wrapping, finishing shooting dilettantes, which was a huge endeavor, obviously. And we still had, we still had so much work left to do in post. And I was like, I was at first a little like, Oh, like, Oh, okay. I'm going to make a, you want me to make a short now as well? Like while I'm making a feature, like I was, I was a little bit like not shell shocked coming off of dilettantes, but I was like, okay, my plate's pretty full, but like, yeah, the more I looked at the script, I I mean, obviously I love the script, and I had read earlier versions of it, and it always had that humor that Emily was talking about. But I think with each successive version, she was able to go a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper into like the humanity um, of the character, like she was saying, without without lo- losing that humor. And I was I was looking at it, and I was I think Emily's really good at just being like, why not? Like, let's just do it. Like, we can do it. I think I think you have the same attitude, Dylan. I'm I'm sometimes a little more like well, but we need to make sure that, like, the situation is right and the locations and the equipment and the da-da-da-da-da, and...
1: Yeah, I'm kind of like, Simon, like, whatever, we'll just do it, we'll just see how it goes. And he's like, I don't know, I don't know, guys, I feel like I don't know. Like, I'm
2: like, I'm the Morty
0: to your Rick. It's... Well, there's, there's, you have those two types of personalities where one person has the vision and the dream and the other person's more, okay, but what's the path to Mm -hmm. there? And I think that's what makes you guys a good team, because... You, you tend to be Emily very creatively driven and you have these really great ideas, right? And then Simon comes in there and finds a way to actively make those dreams and ideas happen. And together, you guys come up with something that you're able to do in three days on the back end of a feature film that's now doing really, really well. So I think, you know, stick together, guys. That's a, that's a really important yeah, thing.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate that. In our dynamic, Simon is very practical and grounding to my more ethereal nature. Um, (laughs) I think it, it, but it also helps because I have no technical practice. Like I didn't go to school for film, so I don't know what I'm doing. And Simon comes in and he's like, okay, we're going to shoot in like 4K. And like, this is what a tripod is. And I'm like, okay, like I just wrote it. But I'm, you know, it was, it was so good to, have that kind of directorial experience shared and i i feel like it's really gonna come into play the next time we direct together which hopefully will be soon oh, yeah
2: i think it's, that's the plan but yeah. well you
0: you started out with uh writing this and then a screenwriting class but then was that screenwriting class something that you were doing more or less just to see alternative ways of writing or was it already something that you were kind of like uh Building up an interest in film before, and because I know that originally you were just studying literature, right? That was your main yeah. Focus. And I
1: mean, like literature is my one true love. I think that what happened was in undergrad, I had just taken every other creative writing class. Like I was out of creative writing classes, so I I just was like, okay, like I guess you know I've taken all the playwriting classes. I've taken all of the um the you know free form writing classes. Got to take I guess screenplay writing and. It was so funny because I, I like, I remember my mom telling me, you know, way back when, like sophomore year of college, she was like, dude, why don't you try like film? And, you know, I was such a a kind of uh, pretentious English major that (laughs) I was like, fuck film. That's the plebs, like, that's the plebeian kind of like (laughs) art form. But, you know, now it speaks so much. It speaks to me so much more. To my nature as like a visual artist as well, like being able to put to screen um, the kind of uh, whirling nature of um, my visual ideas is, is so much easier than in writing. Um, so it seems kind of like a no brainer at this point. Um, and yeah,
0: yeah. But then, when did that idea? When did that idea really then ferment or solidify? Was it after you wrote this script and you thought this is the <laughs> best portfolio piece for you? Or was it maybe starting before that already and that's what drove you to take that that screenwriting class?
1: Um, yeah, I, th- I think it was honestly after. Like I had no um, plans. I didn't even think of this idea until I was in the screenplay writing class and someone was like think of this idea and I was like okay um
2: was it was it the requirement too that it had to be all in one location was that no
1: the it was a shorts writing class and um they showed us a couple examples of shorts um you know some of my favorite shorts that I've ever seen um, is a French short. I don't I don't know what it's called, but it's basically called, I think it's called The Prank or something. And basically this guy gets on a train and he says this long thing to this woman in the train about how he loves her and he's fallen in love with her, love at first sight, whatever. And she accepts him. And then he says, like the train comes to a stop at the next station and he says, I'm so sorry, this was just a joke. And he gets off the train and she sits back down. And it's like such a moment of missed connection and it's so harsh and like mm-hmm. you're so so aware of her vulnerability. And then my other favorite <laughs> short, on another hand, is um Andrea Arnold's Wasp, the Wasp. Um, it's really good, completely different. But both of these things kind of had to me they the what I liked about them was this idea of an enclosed world where you capture what could be developed into a longer, like like you know, after that subway car closes you want to follow that woman home, you know? And, and that's kind of what I wanted to create with Poppy was the sense of like, after the scene closes, like you want to see her and Ivy, her friend, her roommate, um, go through this, this, this next chapter together. Um, like I liked the idea of a closed narrative that suggests that something larger.
2: I think, yeah. And I think that's the best, the best short films that you usually do see have this sort of like, just like, tight, kind of hyper-focused nature, not just because it's easier to produce and it's more simple, but because like in a short span of time, you want to be rooted in as one place and one character and one time and one event as much as possible. Like you can't, it's, it's not as easy, to, you don't have as much time to jump around and makes you feel something and then be somewhere else and make the viewer feel something else and meet new characters. Like it's that tightness that um suggest something larger like you were saying that i think works so well and i and i remember we just had a lot of fun like developing that and developing like okay how are we going to make the how are we going to make the tone what we want it to be within this really small space and how are we going to shoot it in a way that is that is like unique and fresh even though we're going to be in the same two rooms like so, for so many minutes and like you know coming up with the shot list and the ideas one of the i i don't remember if it was in I don't remember at what point it came into the process, but I know it was something we were developing together. Was the idea for these sort of like time stamps, mm. you know, because it takes place over the course of one night, and you see like refrigerator magnets on a wall spell out like ten forty five, and then later there's a bunch of Cheetos in a in a line that spell out like two a.m. and you know, and and I think I think it was originally maybe gonna be just, like, a black screen with a time title over it. Like, that was, like, the original idea because we wanted that sort of, like, segmentation of these sort of different chapters of the night. But we realized, like, it's it's so much better if you can root it even more specifically in this space and, like, in this character's world and use objects from their life to, like, do that sort of... to, to convey that information.
1: It was...
0: Well, you see that in the best shorts, right? So in the best shorts, it's usually something to do with the time frame. And they always do tell you to keep it really grounded in one central theme. So you you do see that in spades in uh, Drama Mama. And it's what makes it so good. The shorts that are usually not as good in these writing classes that (laughs) we were probably all in and read were the ones that try to do too much with too little time. And you really want to kind of ground it in one central theme. And if you do it really well, your secondary focus should be wanting your audience to see more from those characters. Which I think again, you guys did very well with the characters of Poppy and Arie. I I
1: think going back to your initial question though, part of it too, the reason why I wanted to make this short was because I was so jealous of you guys. You were working on dilettantes, <laughs> and I was like, Well, I'm supposed to be a filmmaker now. Like at this point we had already planned on moving to LA after we graduated, so I was like, Well, what about but I gotta I gotta get in there and show my stuff and and, and I knew
2: that as soon as she did she would just she would just blow us all out of the water so. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yes, which you is, do, which is absolutely, which is
0: absolutely something that happened. I think, M, you have such a master of the language, which is something I tell you all the time. That it's usually really, I don't know, I would say hyper focused. And so you're a good. I think you would be a really great novelist or you know just a regular writer. But at the same time, you you want your audience to see something so specific that film really calls to you because you're able to exactly show. The imagery that's coming out of out of your own head which is what we'd want to see i don't think half of us would be smart enough if we were reading drama mama to get exactly what you meant out of the story but being seen like being shown drama mama i get all the beats i'm supposed to get i get what i'm supposed to like about the characters i'm supposed to see what's funny and what's meant to be taken seriously and that might actually get lost if I was just reading mm-hmm.
2: it and, you know, which actually did probably happen when I was reading the script. A few times. <laughs> well, and it so. was funny because when we were like, um, you know, sort of going through this, creating the shots and creating the look, Emily did have really specific ideas. Like there's a lot of detail shots in the movie. There's a lot of sort of inserts and cutaways that are just like very specific places and specific objects within her apartment. And like, seriously, I'm like, Emily had in her head this idea of like, okay, the teapot has to go here and then the marker, this pink one should go a little bit to the left of it, but like the blue one should be more next to it. And like, they can't, but they can't be too far apart. Like that was all in her head with a lot of those specific shots before we even started setting them up or like putting them down on paper or storyboards or anything. Um, And then that was something that was very amazing to me. And also, yeah, just a good sign of like, she's has a very clear, um, vision and idea of what this should be and how it should feel. And I think as a collaborator too, like that makes you so much more confident and able to get on the same page with someone and like see what they're seeing when they have a, a a real like clear idea of it.
1: But I mean, let's not also downplay Simon's mastery of like be like directing because truly like we were you know uh, he was coming off of like 2 months of not sleeping at all like he was working like five. we were working so many jobs like i think at we probably one point i had
2: like 8 jobs between all all three of us yeah like
1: we i had so probably. there was a point where i had like 5 jobs like I, I oh man anyway so we were working on these jobs trying to save up to move And we were making, and you guys were making dilettantes every single day. And, like, a lot of your jobs involved physical labor. Like, Simon just was losing so much weight. Like, (laughs) and that always (laughs) happens to
2: me when I make a film. I start to just, like, really, like, lose weight very rapidly and get sick.
1: (laughs) And also, like, like, and we couldn't really afford, like, that much food. I remember there was one night when we got into a huge argument about, Feta. Do you remember we, because like he had bought feta cheese and that I us was such just wanted some feta
2: an, cheese, man, it was to put on my salads. Expense. It was so it expensive. Was like, it was so expensive. It was so expensive. feta. Expense.
1: And so we had this <laughs> huge argument about feta cheese and, and, but all this time we were, you know, like, like thinking, you know, like he was like okay like what we need is practically these are the things that we need and and you know at at that time like we had decided that i was going to act in it because it was going to be cheaper and easier and also like we could kind of mess around after um you know everyone else had wrapped like him and i could just shoot a lot of things that we wanted to get again um and so like b-roll yeah and and, like for instance the scene where she's like Um, she's in the fridge and you kind of pan up and and it says 11 o'clock behind her. And and she goes, nah, we're still worried about it. Um, That we shot that like at like one in the morning after everyone had gone home. We did it like 12 times and Simon was so patient. And so like, okay, like we're just going to get it right. Like we're going to take, he has such a a meditation, such a Zen kind of way about filmmaking that is just not rushed which is something that you don't hear very often like you know filming is all about timing 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 but i i see in him such an ability to be like no like this is what it is we are taking our time we are going to do this as many times as it takes to do it right but without the pressure of like we'll do it as long as until it gets right like it's like it's much more um it's soothing and and that's what makes him a great director so very happy someone else is behind more, the camera as well.
0: I think that makes it, it becomes more available to use more time <laughs> when it's a short. And that's why a lot of people start with shorts mm. as well because you have less things to film in general. So I do I do think that's a strength, but at the same time, it, it shouldn't be taken away how long something like this takes because we were all working on it for two years and it's, it ends at a runtime of 11 minutes mm-hmm. or something like yeah. that, right? So there's still a tendency to, I see it in myself as well with editing wanting to rush something because how much can you really fix something in editing but the first couple drafts of editing we use a lot of dissolves and then we start using hard cuts and it changes the entire vibe of the pro of the project so it is really a gift to have that availability yeah. i want to go back though sorry sorry no, no i cut far, you off far, you have something you want to say i want to go back and just ask then though because and you have such an idea of how the project had to look from the beginning, right? So I feel like there's probably a lot of storyboarding and pre-production that went into this beforehand, unlike most of the other projects I've worked on. I don't know if Simon also feels the same, if this had more or less than the other projects that we worked on in the past.
1: You know, I think because our crew was so small, um, like we didn't, we chose not, there was only four of us ever. Um, and... You know, I think because of that in pre production, I remember Simon and I talking about if we wanted to storyboard or not. Mm -hmm. And we decided that not to because I basically asked him to trust that I knew how I wanted the B roll to look and that, like, I had a very specific vision that, you know, I spent a week setting up my apartment um
0: (laughs) yeah that's what i mean though so i think that's that's definitely different a lot of the projects i worked on we never did you just get into a
2: space and sometimes and that's the space space that's that's available it's gonna be exactly but this we did have more control because it was emily's space and we didn't storyboard but we did do like a really really detailed shot list and we spent just like hours going back and forth talking about it while we were making it and like you know, sometimes like you're trying to describe or explain the way you see something, but you're not quite describing it right or the person's not quite getting it. So I just remember there's so many conversations where we go back and forth and like, you know, do the classic thing where you like stand up and you're like, OK, so like if I'm here and the camera's here and you're like pointing and moving and like and then this is like 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 we really we we made sure to be very specific with one another about how we Imagine and what we wanted to get from every single shot so that when we got into The shooting we could we could understand we could just know what we needed to do and 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 just do it and as many times as we could until Until we were satisfied with it
1: and that was such an interesting experience for us too because Like working we had never worked um, Together behind the camera before like I had acted in his short, but we had never done kind of this collaborative work where (laughs) we were as much involved in directing together as we were like me. I, you know, it, it it was a different co- kind of collaboration. And, and now you can see, you can really see the foundations of that collaboration in our work now, because we almost have like an unspoken language. Like we, we were doing a shot list the other day for just a, you know, an experimental thing we're working on and our dialogue flows so much easier. And it, it's, it's like, Making a recipe the second time, like making that second, you know, and, and I, I love feeling that way because the words that weren't coming as easy for Drama Mama and why we had to spend so much time on the spot, the shot list, now it's, there's much more flow. It all feels like a learning think,
2: experience. Yeah, totally. And hopefully the same is true with like the post production process too, you know, like I, this is our first time like sort of going through a lot of these steps, like just ourselves and being in charge of all the decisions and working with collaborators in other places where we weren't like watching it at the same time. Like that was a new experience, like sending it to you to edit and then you sending us uh, a version and giving notes and having that relationship. And the same thing with Jasper and Kyle are who, who did the score and the sound design, like them, just giving it to them, letting them do what they do and then coming back and figuring out what's working and like figuring out how to have that, uh, that collaborative relationship was, was I thought was like one of the most uh, like useful, helpful, enjoyable parts of the process. Because like you get to, you get to like, you're all working towards the same thing, but you get to see what other people are able to do and to bring into the process that you would never be able to do on your own.
1: I don't even like you that much. What? Just fucking go. Just- Get out! For anyone listening to this podcast, you should absolutely hire Kyle Franklin and Jasper Van Dyke because they are truly on the ball. Like they for compose uh, for score and composing like. I you know we would send emails to Jasper and he at random times on like Sundays and he would respond in fifteen minutes like he was the he was so <laughs> on top of things and um their cre their kind of collaboration made me feel so happy too because you can tell that the the both of them are. Are speaking that unspoken language, mm. and I love to see that in people who have been collaborating for a long time. Yeah, yeah,
0: it becomes it becomes yeah, it's your own language almost, where it just gets easier, more collaborations. No more fights about feta cheese. The second <laughs> no,
1: time we around, got money you know? now. Exactly,
2: <laughs> exactly. No more fights <laughs> about feta cheese. And and yeah, it was it was it was very soothing to like give like to to make a suggestion or give a note to like Jasper and Kyle, and then be like, "Do you need any more follow up from us?" on like how, like they're, they, they, yeah, they clearly had that connection with each other. Like you were saying, um that they were just like, okay, yeah, we, we know how to do that. Oh, we know exactly how we're going to do that already, you know? And, and same with, 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 with you, Dylan, obviously you weren't, you weren't really working with anyone else. You were, you were editing it by yourself, but, and you were also like organizing so much of the post process and the workflows and the files and all that shit that is very difficult. And so I remember just feeling very at ease when I would get on the phone with you and we would be talking and you would be telling me like you'd be talking all about like the like post-production specifics and how things were going to transfer and work. And like it was like a little bit over my head. Like I mostly got what you're saying, but it was a little bit over my head. But that made me feel good because I was like, oh, he he knows what's going on. Somebody knows what's going it's on. It's an
0: old post. It's an old post-production trick. We confuse the client slightly <laughs> to make it seem like we really know what we're doing. It worked so very well. You just make sure that. They know 90, 90%, 10%. They have no idea what we're talking about. Um, I do want to ask this. I think this would be really interesting. But so, M, out of the whole film then, because you had such a specific image in your head, and you said, Simon, trust me, we don't like storyboarding. I have it in my head. I know what I want it to look like. Were there any things? What was What was something that really came out exactly what it looked like in your head? What was something that didn't? And then alternatively, Simon... What was something that Emily really wanted to do? And then technically, because you were trying to find the way that it happened, you go, that's not mm. going to work, or it's just, I can't make, it's not possible.
1: Um, so something that I was a little scared wouldn't read that ended up reading very well was uh, when she has the phone conversation, well, the phone, she's leaving a message on her mother's phone. Um, Poppy, there's that B-roll of the dead plants in the apartment. And like, I didn't think that would read very well. Like I like I, I didn't know if it would contrast enough which, with the other production design. Um, but it ended up like that moment to me, I actually like that shot best in the film, which is such a weird thing because it's such, it's just a b-roll shot. But the, that small detail to me um, spoke to, so much to this this idea of stagnation. Or or being stuck and dead and, and feeling and feeling like a houseplant, I guess, um, and out of control. I, I don't know. I really love that. So,
0: that's so interesting because you know, a lot of times I think B roll is used to replace a shot or like fix a mistake, but that makes it seem I like it goes back to the original narrative of this project. That's all planned, which is a really amazing thing because I think with independent film it's usually fixing errors. And I think with you it was really no it needs to be this because there's symbolically something in that shot so that's really cool That's a, a really great answer mm-hmm.
2: yeah i mean i think for me it the i was actually very impressed with how much we were able to get close to or exactly like the original ideas the original conceptions that we had i think that is because like we were able to just keep it contained with like a small crew in a space that we had totally control, of, total control over. And we didn't have to like be out of it at any time. Um, so we were able to really hone in. The only thing I can remember there being <clears throat> um, we, we weren't really able to do was like Emily had an idea for a shot where it was also during Poppy's like phone call where she's leaving a voicemail and like she starts crying and Emily had the idea of like wanting to see a teardrop fall and like land on her underwear like some this very sort of like melodramatic like emotional like again, just a detail shot. We really wanted to push all these details <laughs> and that ended up just being like we 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 both we both we kind of started talking about like, okay, so here's how we could do it, and here's it would look this way or it would look like this, and we were kind of like, maybe it's not worth the trouble. I don't think either of us were married uh, married enough to that shot and that idea to really try and push it or that we couldn't get that feeling from another shot. but but con- but conversely, the, the moment in the film that I didn't know if we would be able to get that turned out really well is a similar moment. Later in the film, uh, uh, drops of blood like fall into uh, the toilet into a toilet bowl, and that shot, that was, like, one of Emily's earliest ideas, and I was also, it's because it's, it's, just, it's just a hard thing to capture and having the lighting right and the timing of everything, and if, does it look real, and it, it came out really good, so, like, you know, you win some, you lose some.
1: And also, like, the fact our shooting space, that bathroom predominantly, <laughs> was, for those of you at home who weren't there, it was a true galley, like, it was... About what, like a doorway with the whole way. And it was straight back for like six-ish feet. So it was very long but narrow. And and Simon and I were just doing all kind of acrobatics to get
2: certain shots. And, and when Dylan was recording sound, uh was, was was boom operating, that was a whole nother And
1: then when <laughs> Lizzie was in there playing Ivy too, it was just so crowded and and the fact that we were able to get so many interesting shots in such a truly terrible work environment was <laughs> was um was honestly telling of our innovation i think as creators and i'm i'm like I, I you know we set this out as as a challenge and i think that um we really rose to it like That bathroom was was a terrible location no one would choose that no one would knowingly choose that but you know i think it's even
0: more amazing that you guys kind of brought that idea of a single location which is usually what people go for in a in a short right because it just makes it logistically easier and you brought that to a place of like okay one room majority one room we're gonna like make sure we can get as much as we can out of it and for how tiny that room is the dynamics of those shots are really impressive. I mean, there are some really amazing shots where, yeah, it's crazy how we had to, we were all a bunch of contortionists almost, just like in parts of the corners. But like the, mm-hmm. the one shot I always really liked was when Poppy's looking down to the corner, which there's no extra space there. I'm still amazed that you fit in there, Simon, in order to get that type and of I'm shot. I'm not a small guy. No, you're not a tiny guy. and. <laughs>
1: The, I'm pretty sure are you talking about the shot with the hand mirror?
0: No, not the hand no, mirror. I'm talking about the, the shot when you're when Poppy's on the toilet. And oh, an yeah, Ivy yeah. walks And Ivy yep. walks in. That yeah. is really so impressively done. You guys really squeezed every sort of artistic angle you could out of that bathroom, which made all those scenes really great. And the only thing that really we had to like fix in those scenes in post was pretty much the lighting because we just couldn't make the bathroom lighting any more interesting. But really, it was well done. Mm-hmm. The bathroom stays quite a dynamic space with all the different things you guys did with it.
1: It is. It is so much easier to um, like be, uh, you know, acting un, like with a director who's also your boyfriend because like it's just. Um, you know, like, I was naked for most of the shoot, basically, or I had my costume was very scanty. And like, you know, there were times when, like, y- you know, after everyone else had gone home, like, we would we would try different shots where I, like, wouldn't even have any underwear on. Like, we were like, let's just see if we can capture this while, well. like, maintaining my modesty. And most of the time it didn't work. I'd never and get any work I'm done. Sure. i would
0: sure. If it was my girlfriend, I would never get any work done.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's good that we weren't <laughs>
2: on a tight schedule. It's
1: good that we weren't on a tight schedule. Um, oh, God. But... I do think it's very like, you know, the the shot where um she's look, where Poppy is looking in the hand mirror. I remember Simon had to get like his both of his feet were on either side of the bathtub over me like a bridge. And I was like underneath holding the hand mirror. And I was so tired and so caffeine riddled that like, my hand was like shaking so we'd have to be like okay like chill just chill just chill (laughs) and um, and like simon was balancing above me like a bird of prey and it was just like and like my my you know that was a very fun shot there
0: was a few times where simon had to bridge over people for certain shots if i remember correctly so yeah that's Really again for the I
2: had to bridge over uh the two of you guys lying
0: in the sample. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> wanna say, say it. But yeah, that was uh interesting dynamic. You and me as uh best friends and then me having to act as the uh the the dummy uh the guy whose face shall not be seen was how I remember him on uh, on on set, right? Because it was very important. I,
2: that's I th- I feel like we pitched that to you and you're like, oh okay, like I can do that. Totally down. Like yeah. my my only line is what, and you don't see my face. Like yeah, <laughs> and,
1: and it's a weird anamorph of you both because like you're the you know Poppy and Craig are having sex, and then the the. Uh, voiceover, the ADR we did was Simon's sex moaning really? into, yeah. So, like, <laughs> so there's a that. weird.
2: Yeah, we, you didn't make quite enough noise. We wanted we wanted there we to needed, be a little more We needed more to push uh, the barrier a little more. So I <laughs> came <laughs> in and. <laughs>
1: Oh and, man! Like, uh, so. Well, that's anyway, some, that's some
0: really interesting behind
2: the scenes. We're really things.
1: excited to get into the porn industry. Um, <laughs> that's our next this career our direction. <laughs> this is our audition tape. This is our audition tape I think for, for, for someone porn. who for
2: someone who d- hasn't watched the film, which is going to be probably most people who listen to this, it, it is going to sound like that's what we're describing. They're just going to be like, "Did they make? Did is this a sh- this short film? It sounds like there's just it's mostly nudity and sex and. You're not mountain fans. Only
1: fans, am I right? Only real fans, am I right? We think.
0: Well, I'd say it has a bit more story than most of the uh, (laughs) porn films that I've seen in my lifetime. So it's definitely still worth a watch to anyone who's listening. Um, I do want to go back to some of the struggles then, some of the things that... So we're talking about all the things that really went great, you know, and possibly went better (laughs) because of the location that we had to use and the amount of crew that we had to use. I find that... And maybe you guys disagree with this. When you're using little people and little money and tight spaces, it tends to make you very creative with what you have to do, and that can be really beneficial for films like this. And I don't know if that's something you guys also felt during this project.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I felt like this was this was uh, in our like the perfect combination of like a stretch. Like it was hard to do something that you know, it was a 11, 12 minute short film that was like, all of the visuals were very specific, had to do a specific thing. You know, the pacing was very specific. There was, there was a lot of things that we knew if we didn't execute it well enough, it just like wouldn't work. You know what I mean? I feel like this was something like, it was execution dependent in that way. And I think that was a challenge, but like, also we knew based on the location and crew size and like, our confidence in what the story was that we were telling, that it was something we we could accomplish with the help of, you know, good collaborators.
0: I think it's we all come from a DIY-like kind of uh, film school hybrid, and I find that on this project as well as the other projects we've worked on, that's really been beneficial. And it's only grown with the things we've worked on. I do think that this is artistically one of the coolest things and great things that we've worked on. It's just visually really beautiful and really well acted. Um, shout outs not only to yourself, Emily, but also Lizzie, who is a star. Absolutely. Is absolutely Lizzie a star. Lizzie Short. Yeah, Lizzie Short. Return
1: little women. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but then um, alternatively, what were the things that were not that great? Like things that made it really good? Do- I have my own answer. What
2: was really. Well, yeah, difficult. I do want to hear about your experience uh, editing it as someone who was like very close to it, but like had a little more distance than we did. Um I think uh, to speak to like the not so great portions like I
1: think we we made this short in a stressful time right like in a transition time and then you know getting it through post um was was hard like it was it was truly like I so appreciate your patience and Simon's patience because like you know for a while after it was shot I was moving to LA and I didn't have a job and I got very depressed. So, you know, it's just like, it's one of those things where it's like, art takes time and art also takes the right mindset. And I'm so glad that I had collaborators that were willing to be like, it's okay, we can take your time. We can we can, we can can work through this, um, but never letting the ball drop. Like the only reason why this is in creation is because of you guys, really. Because um yeah, like, I mean, post was tough post was a rough time yeah the
2: post process was really hard because that's i feel like we've had a couple of these experiences so far where shooting it in a more diy personal um less professional way is so um beneficial to the production process of making something because it just frees you up and then and then you get to post and it's like all of those things that were good now come back around to bite you and make the last leg of the battle so much harder. So like recording ADR and doing all sorts of like color grading, but me and Dylan uh, were working on because like the lighting was just all over the place and the exposure and, and all these things that like, I, I I have a lot of confidence of myself as like a a DP or a director in some ways, but like the lighting is is not one of them. So that was something that needed a lot of work and time and the score and like just finding that pacing uh, that we were talking about, this very specific pacing in the edit was just, yeah, they were things that took a long time, especially because we were, none of us were in the same location. You know what I mean? So it was, it was that patience, like you were saying.
1: Yeah. And I think also just what I was saying, like it was a moment of transition. So trying to carry a project through a moment of transition was just, a herculean effort almost it felt like what did you think dill
0: i think yeah if we my answer for this would have definitely been the post-production side of it it's very difficult and i see why it's not done to edit from another country so i'm sure if we have uh, um frequent listeners at this point it's been said a few times but i moved over to amsterdam directly after we finished all this stuff which made it really difficult for us to You know, keep a schedule. We had it constantly running, but it was really, really hard for us to be very prompt with either notes coming from you guys or edits coming from me. And even more so when it came to getting me files, which I can see why usually editors are used in location with the director because you get that constant movement. Um, And it's probably what made it take two years. You know, I don't think. It didn't stop the project, right? So nothing, nothing ended up stopping the project. Um, but I just think, in general, that's something that, if I were less interested in the project, or if I was, if actually no, if I was more interested in the well-being of you guys and less interested in me wanting to work with you guys so much, I would have suggested using someone in your relative location who could do <laughs> the same thing as I do, because it did definitely slow down the the, the turnover time uh, via drafts. But Mm -hmm. at the same time... Who cares
1: how long it takes, you know? (laughs) yeah, It's the process, baby. Art is the process. We can't resist it.
2: Well, I'm also curious, Dylan, because I feel like you probably have had this experience because you you work in post-production for your job. I've never really had it so much where, like, I'm the director and... I'm sitting with an editor and we're sort of they're working on it and I'm watching them work on it, working on it. And we're putting it together like in the same place at the same time. That seems to be the usual process for like professional features, TV, all those sort of things is it's very hands on. And like, you know, kind of the director looking over an editor's shoulder. Did you do you feel like there's any advantages to having a little more time and space to do your own things to it and then present it to us or did it just present more challenges did it make you more uncertain or did you like like it in some ways I think it really depends on the director you're working with um and also it depends on
0: the the, the scale of the film you're working on so we talk we talk a big game about collaboration this idea of you know having a collective a group of artists that are you know in, uh, have ambitions in their field and we trust them with their ambitions and this is going back to your idea Emily of like trusting me with the post and the editing and trusting Simon with the shot list and how he wants to film it, what's technically possible, and then trusting Kyle and Jasper with the music and what they think would flow with it. Of course, it always comes back to your guys' say, but you give us a lot of leeway with what we wanna do. And I think that's really nice because then you get a beautiful project of people truly passionate of the of the film and therefore their work is usually um, a representative of that. But if I were to go back, it really depends if I know your vision for something like this is so strong that having you sit with me would probably have made it a little bit easier for us to get exactly to where you'd want it to be, which we eventually (laughs) did get there, right? You sometimes have directors that really want the input of the uh, editor. And sometimes you have directors that they only see the editor as the technician, the person who knows the keyboard and knows the commands in the, the software, and then they have the vision, right? So it really, I always compare it to Almost like a mechanic. You wanna have if you're bring your car into the shop, you wanna have a mechanic who can like understand the car and give you some points on what needs to be fixed. But an also a mechanic does appreciate it if the car owner knows about his car, right? So the editor and the director have this relationship of the editor is the master, but if the director has a little bit of knowledge of what they want, then it always just makes it easier. And I think that would have really been easier if we were together the whole time.
2: That's a good
1: it's analogy. Really, yeah, you're so right. I mean. Yes, it, it it was hard working cross-continentally. It was hard working while also trying to set up a life in a new country a new state. Yes, yeah. and it was a difficult time, but I, I mean, I'm so proud of what we did. And uh, going back to this idea like of collaboration, I also think too, like getting people from different walks of life is so important to vision. So like, I didn't, you know, I didn't go to film school, so like, I don't know what isn't possible. And so, like, to a small extent, that opens me up because, like, I'm just like, well, it's all possible, baby. That's showbiz. And, like, Simon's like... That's how ah.
2: Orson Welles made Citizen Kane.
1: <laughs> and Simon's like, oh, okay, like, let's make it... Let's, like, actually make this doable, though. And then you're like, oh, okay, let's, like, actually, like, put... Like, like let's make it look nice. And then, <laughs> like, Kyle and... um. Jasper, like, oh, let's uh, make this sound good. Like, y'all recorded on an iPhone. What were you doing? Uh,
0: well, I think it's really, I think it's a good thing as well that the traditional way of editing is an editor will put together an assembly cut at some point or a fine cut that has music and sound effects. And we did try that. And then eventually we decided not to do that to give the uh, Jasper and Kyle free range to do it themselves, which again, they're just going to see things that we're not going to see. And, you know, In a professional setting, if you're working with producers and you have to have a screening for the producers to get the vibe of what the film is going to be, you want that stuff already in there. But for us, Mm -hmm. I think it really kind of played well that, you know, we all were compartmentalized and focusing on what we had to focus on, right? So Simon in the post, color grading, which he could work directly with you on because once the picture was there, it's about how you want it to look. And I could focus directly on what takes I liked, you know, without having to worry about you guys going, well, what about these many takes? And I'm like, I've already checked all the takes. This is the best take. Trust me, it's the only take we need. And the same with the <laughs> boys and like you know, music and and sound design. They're just going to put things in that we might not think about or not get bogged down by something we're really passionate about because they weren't thinking about that thing as strongly. So it, I think it benefits a project like this strongly for sure. Yeah,
2: I mean, going back to your like car mechanic analogy, really quick. I I, I think with the score. Cause that's the thing I obviously had the least experience and knowledge with like I've edited before. I know how that process works. So I was pretty able to be like, okay, it should do this and this and this, but with score, I didn't really, I I was terrified that I didn't have enough knowledge about my car. So I was like trying to like figure stuff out and like be able to come to them with specifics and not just be like, make it good. And so I think early in the process, I was like, I think maybe we both gave of them us
1: so much information. Were, we're like
2: trying to be like very specific and detailed and hands on and then but once we saw because also at the beginning you're not sure you're like does does what I'm saying make sense to them do they see what I see and then once we saw that like very early on within the first like sort of two three um, segments of, of score for the film that they put together in the first couple minutes once we saw that they did we were just like oh all right, we don't need to. They got it, and then like probably the second half of the film, like we gave them, you know, like like a, like one or two notes per cue, and then we're just like, yeah, but you guys got it. Whereas in the first half, we were it like. Was
1: like- it was like reference material—a whole freaking fine like folder—and then like I was pulling out terms from like high school band, like decrescendo, crescendo, allegro, like I don't yeah. even know what that means anymore. But I was just or like picasso, like what or P- P- P-
2: pizzicato, pizzicato, picasso. I don't fucking now, man. Please
1: put a Picasso in there if you can. Thank you. Well, I remember, uh, I
2: remember Yeah, I remember, they were great. I remember having a
0: conversation with you about music when we were editing because originally I was going to try. To put some temp music in there and give it a vibe, and maybe that would direct us where we wanted to go. But you had originally said I wasn't really thinking we would need music, which refers back to Psy Guy here, who said the same thing for another project. Did you come away thinking no music is extremely necessary in a project like this?
1: Music made our short. <laughs> like if you watch our short, like it's it, like the music takes it from a five to a twelve. Well,
2: like and also I I I, I learned from doing dilettantes at that point because we were most of the way through dilettantes when we were making this I learned enough to be like when Emily was like I don't know if we need music I was like no we want we want music we need music like <laughs> i learned my lesson well is there
0: anything more fun also than getting the music stems in from the composers up on your on your picture and they're like hey fresh off the presses here's a new draft and you get like really giddy like i remember for when it was us i'm sure you guys had the same feeling like i got goosebumps every time i'd see the email there i'm like oh man There's some music there now. It's such a large part of a film, you
2: know? Oh, it's so fun. Yeah, you're right. And I remember for Drama Mama, too, like when we'd get new ones from Jasper, the next day I'd get a text from you and be like, send it to me, send it to me. I want to listen to it, too. Like we were all so excited about it. Yeah,
0: we can't, we we honestly can't plug Kyle and Jasper enough because those guys are, they're true geniuses that sometimes I feel we're not worthy of because they're just, they deserve to be doing (laughs) such... We're not worthy. (laughs) They, they They deserve to be doing such... Amazing projects, which they are. I know they're doing both really well now, but it's amazing that those ties that we've made uh, on, especially on this project and on uh, previous projects um, That it just stays there, you know We can always call them and always talk to them about other music ideas and other projects and they're always so willing to work on it I know they did this one pro bono because they just love the story so much which is a testament to how good the story is even without music because You know, I had my doubts without music, even when you guys were like, the edit's pretty good. I remember you guys wanted to take on the fine cut. So at some point I had stopped. You're like, we're going to do a few more tweaks. I wasn't 100% convinced with my work. Now I am seeing the final product, but it's really amazing to me that they could see that way before, even when I still had some of my doubts, you know, it's, that's really (laughs) a special talent.
1: I I mean, we can't thank them enough, and we can't thank Lizzie Short enough either. Like, she came on, she, like, I had seen her act in dilettantes, and I thought she was amazing. And she, you know, took on this project, a weekend shoot. She came from work, um, where she is a period-dressed, uh, like, tour guide. So, like, she, like, you know, took off her corset and came to set. And would have been an interesting you know, style
0: choice if she just kept the same costume on? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was my first time like acting and directing and something at the same time. And that was so hard because I was also producing because there was four people, because it was like, you know, because it was so much work. And um, she w- had such a calming energy to her, and, and she really understood she played Ivy so naturally, and I thought she did such a great job and like. I I was so great. She did it for free too. Like like all these people just were like Emily and Simon. We're gonna cut you some slack, and we couldn't afford feta. Like we weren't gonna we weren't gonna be able to make a movie. Like specialty cheeses were off the table.
2: Can, I want the I want the uh, the title of this episode to have something to do with feta cheese. <laughs> it's come up enough now. No, I, I mean I I totally agree with what Emily was saying, and I think the thing that Lizzie had to do, what actors often have to do, it's almost like the opposite challenge of what we're going through when we're like involved in the process very early on and we're very deep into it, and we have so much time to work on it, but it's so like agonizing and slow for an actor. Oftentimes the process is like is so fast and you don't have as much time to like prepare and think and work and plan. You just have to sort of show up and just drop into this other person very quickly and convincingly. And while there's all this other stuff going on and, and I I would, I would hope that, you know, if Lizzie had been feeling like she wasn't certain about the character or, or just wanted to consult more about like what we were looking for and what the tone was and and how she was doing that she would, Uh, have come to us but I don't really remember that happening like like because she just she just came in and got it got the tone of what we needed from her character and how it was how she relates to Poppy to Emily's character and like there was so much else going on with us that like I kind of just remember realizing like oh wow like we haven't even had to like really direct Lizzie like she's just she's just she just came in like Emily was saying like after a day at work and just like and knocked it out of the park and and threaded the line between comedy and drama that we were going for really well. And um yeah, it, it's it's kind of what we were talking about before about not having to like hold someone's hand or like look over their shoulder and how nice that is being able to just pass the baton to someone yeah, and kind of I, watch you know, them run with it.
0: Part of one of the cool things that happens when you worked on the set and then you have to edit it later, especially when I'm editing it months after filming it, is You know, days with editing can be really long and downloading files that are coming from the US over Google Drive can take a lot of time. But then you just get this one blooper shot or this one like before action was called shot that just makes you smile because it brings back all these flooding memories of what you were doing on that day and how fun it was. And I was telling Emily that the one for me like that I think perfectly summarizes Lizzie's sentiment on set was when you guys were setting up for a shot and it was with Lizzie in the mirror I started singing Gimme 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 from ABBA and she started joining in and dancing in the mirror. And it's because I was jamming to ABBA with her in between shots and stuff and on the way to your house. And I think that just kind of summarizes exactly how she is on set. She's just always calm and like rolling with everything that we're doing. And this stuff can be really hectic. And it's part of the reason why we wanted to work with her again when we first met her on that other short, because that short at my house, I was just it was very hectic, but she was just really cool and calm and, like, an interesting person and ready to do all of it and all, anything, right? So I, that she was a really welcome presence on set, for sure.
1: We love Lizzie short. <laughs> we'll cast her in all our shorts. But Badum. Badum.
0: <laughs> I want to go back to the the blend of comedy and drama that you were talking about in the beginning, Emily, and, like, more specifically on the dialogue of Poppy, I think what's really amazing that you guys kind of did with this project was you didn't lose the comedy, but you didn't treat the subject matter lightly, which is a really interesting kind of dynamic because what she's going through is not a light subject, right? But. Somehow it still comes off. I wouldn't want to go as far to say a dark comedy, but it really, you don't lose all the comedy that you were shooting for, which makes us not take it too seriously either, which I think could take away from how people would view something like this because it is a short. It's supposed to be lighthearted in 10 minutes and you know, you watch it and then you're, you're done with it. And it's, it's not supposed to be taking itself too seriously. And that's so interesting. That's such a difficult blend because it's a serious subject matter that I still kind of enjoyed and was able to laugh at at some moments. And how difficult was that to write? What, what was it like trying to combine that? Or was it just blind luck?
1: Um, I think that um, for her, for Poppy's cadence and her dialogue, I really uh, turned inward actually. And I, I say often that Poppy is my id. Like, you know, how there's the ego and the id and id is your monster. Like, Poppy is my monster. But at the same time, like, w- you know, with all of her selfishness, with all of her um, um, kind of neuroses, like, there is something true about that. And I I have felt those feelings. You know what I mean? I felt the, that kind of anxiety. Um And I think it's something that we can all like relate to. And and so I tried to kind of find a way to make this largely unlikable character um, understandable. If not likable, at least understandable. Like at least you understand like how, how come, like why someone might act the way that they do. And I think that that's actually much more interesting than being likable. I don't think many people are likable. Um and I think that it's like <laughs> I don't think it's fair to tell writers to write likable characters because that's just not how people are, you know. If you if realistic. you if you really know someone you don't like them very much, I think. Um <laughs> but yeah, um so I I don't think it was I I I think it was definitely a conscious choice to heighten her, make her melodramatic, but at the same time have that sense of grounding that's like that that can speak to a more a more vulnerable reality and perhaps that is likable i don't i don't know and i think
0: it's really oh go ahead sorry
2: i was going to say I, th- I think you really struck a good tone specifically with with poppy's dialogue and her voice and and what you created with her because she's taking everything that's going on in the film so seriously she's she's so dramatic she's taking it so seriously and we as the audience see that and understand that she probably shouldn't be taking it as seriously as she is. And that's always funny when you see that. Like, that's like just, that's like a basic sort of thing of comedy of somebody taking something too seriously and too far and going too crazy with it. And we're watching them do that. And that's funny. But there there is that still that idea, hopefully, when you're watching it, that you, like you said, you understand why she's taking it seriously. You know, it's not something to just brush off, but we're seeing her just take it a little bit too far with, and, and I think you've really found that balance with like the way she speaks that is like so exact and so intense and so fast moving. And like, like she's, 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 a she's like lashing out, she's attacking, she's, she's making jokes, you know? I, I so I, I think, I think it was that, you know, that sort of like gap between how seriously she's taking it and how seriously we as the audience think or understand it should be taken, and that's where the comedy is.
0: Yeah. Fear, no matter how irrational, is still fear. And so it's important that Poppy still treats that anxiety or that fear that she has as real, right? And as, as a removed character, or a removed person, an audience member, we can see the irrationality behind it, but it's really important that the character still treats it real, because that's almost where it can be funny, right? If, she, if Poppy was treating it more as a joke, or being, I don't know, I, I never read the first draft, but as your friend was mentioning, if Poppy was a bit more comedical or like like p- more of a fool than she was really serious, then I think it wouldn't actually work as well. I think it's important that she takes everything she's feeling seriously, because we all take our fears, you know, even when we know we're being crazy, we still take them very seriously, so. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it's that that paranoia, and I also think there's something, um, I think I think there is like, kind of this dual frustration that is specifically feminine. This idea that, um, like, you can never win the rigged game. Look, I'm sure it's nothing, okay? Just come out with me. I have to go to the pharmacy. They're closed. I have to call Craig. Mm, Yeah, have him fuck it at you, great idea. If I'm already two weeks late and I don't get it by 2 AM tonight, then I'm officially fucked. nothing. What if it is? It is. It's okay.
0: Ivy is someone that doesn't ask herself those large questions. I, I know for myself I'm someone that sometimes, you know, asks those the rhetoric of what's the meaning of life or what's this or what's the game or what's the game you can't win. And then I have other friends that basically sit there and go, hmm, never really thought about it. And I kind of view Ivy that way. Maybe, maybe I'm not doing her any credit, but I mean more so that she's just able to roll with the punches kind of like Lizzie in the sense of like, it is what it is. And if it is, things are going to be okay. And that's also really important because that is also a very strong character type. You know, people that ask the big questions and then people that just, Never even decided to think about the big questions. And it it blends really well. And it's important because then you have both voices being heard in that in that project.
1: But I don't mm-hmm. think that Lizzie like I don't think Ivy is living an unexamined life either. Like I, I think that um her, she's just she just has more peace with it in yeah. a way that Poppy yeah. doesn't. She's
2: she's accepted things the things that are out of her control, which is which is a hard thing to do.
1: Which is a hard thing to do for Poppy, I think. It's interesting
0: because you know you talk about Poppy being the id of yourself, and I find this is a really kind of therapeutic thing to do in writing as well as to write a character that you know is the better the better version or not the better version, but a a, a version that isn't bogged down by the same things you're bogged down by, right? And that. If Poppy is supposed to be representing the things that you see as your id, then Ivy is the character that's able to come to peace with those things, right? That's always always a really kind of cool thing to write in your stories, like that. I don't know. I wouldn't want to say it's like the goal to go towards, but it's the thing that you almost wish like you could do a bit more of, right? I've seen that in my writing as well sometimes. So
2: I mean, yeah, that's kind of what you're doing with writing, right? Is you're just like you're just taking different parts of your brain, different pieces of your brain, and just turning them into people, you know. Who who feel different things and, and act differently because there's a lot of a lot of crazy stuff a lot of crazy, stuff going a lot of crazy yeah a
1: lot of crazy everybody's, characters
2: everybody's heads yeah.
0: um i don't know guys i think we've kind of hit all the things that we should be talking about on this um is there anything that you guys want to plug any projects you're working on anything's out where we could see this project
1: uh, we're really excited for the festival circus this year. We have um, we're still you know we're still applying we just applied to a bunch yesterday actually.
2: yeah so we don't have any we don't have any definite news to report yet but and and it's and it's also not available like publicly online for anyone to see yet but, uh, but it, it it will be. It will be at
1: some point. We're hoping it does well in festivals. Um, We think it will because people seem to like it. Um, (laughs) And we're very proud of it. That's the Um, good
2: news as of right now. People seem to like it.
0: (laughs) That's great, guys. All right. Well, to all our listeners, stay tuned. And um, if you've enjoyed this podcast and you want to see more about Emily Ann Zisco or Simon Kincaid. Stay tuned with KT or follow these two. There's definitely more content to be sought out and great projects in the works. So we'll see you next Thanks, time. Thanks, Dylan. You're the man.
1: Thanks, Take care. Thanks, Dilly. Take
0: care, guys.